0: about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Father, I just ask this day that your anointing be upon this word, that as this word goes forth, that it would penetrate hearts, that it would penetrate deep within the spirit of my brothers and sisters. Lord, that they would hear not only with their ears, but Lord, that they would hear with their heart as well. And Lord, that they would receive today the word of the Lord. For I pray at this day in the mighty, mighty name of Yeshua Hamashiach. Our Lord, our King, of soon, our Lord, our Savior, our soon-coming King. Bless the Lord. Okay. So, I want to talk to you this morning about purpose. Purpose. And the definition of purpose is a reason for which something is done or created or for which it exists. Um, The French have an expression. They call it raison d'etre, which means the reason for being or the reason for existing raison d'etre also means this whole concept of purpose you're here this morning because you started out with a purpose and that purpose probably started last night last night you purposed in your heart to be here this morning There are some empty seats around you this morning. And unfortunately, some others purposed uh, to do otherwise. That's their choice. That's their freedom. uh, But they're going to miss out on a blessing this morning. You're going to receive the blessing this morning. Amen. Not because I'm preaching, but because it is the Word of God. And it it is anointed. I can tell you that. In December of uh, 2013, we were visiting a dear friend of ours up in uh, Claremont, Florida, and uh, we arrived at his house on Monday afternoon and we chit-chatted a little bit. um, And he said to me, how'd you like to go to church with me tonight? I said, really, Monday night? okay, sure, we'll go to church with you. And he said, yeah, I think you'll be blessed tonight. I said, great. We're here. Um, we're at your disposal, but we're at his disposal. Doesn't matter whether it's Monday night, Sunday night, or Tuesday morning. Be in the presence of God and God's people is a blessing, right? So we went to that meeting, and lo and behold, the pastor was there. He's, uh, I had met him on several occasions before so he knew me personally and just as the meeting was about to wrap up uh, we were sitting in the very very last row in the back Uh, we had come in late and he said um, Ted good to see you here tonight Uh, the the Lord has a word for you tonight I said oh well that's wonderful I said now I'm going to be on the receiving end and that's always a good position to be in. But it is much better, of course, to give than receive. But here I was in the receiving end. And the Lord spoke uh, a number of things in this word having to do with our ministry and the purpose of our ministry. But one of the things that the Lord spoke was uh, something that has resonated uh, in my heart. And I've shared this with, uh, with Wendy. Wendy. Uh, and so we believe this really is a word for us as a couple as well okay and that word was very very simple just basically two sentences and he said i have preserved you for a purpose and i will continue to preserve you for a purpose bless the lord bless the lord now there there are two aspects of that word and one of them is the whole concept of preservation, which uh, I took to mean health. Because when you're getting um, more days behind you as you get older, uh, health becomes a, um, a challenge sometimes. Um, but God gave me an extra insurance policy, if you'd like, because his word is an insurance policy in and of itself. Yes, Amen? It and we rest upon the word, and we believe the word, and we stand upon the word. But now came a special blessing. It was kind of like the icing on the cake. God said, I have preserved you, Ted Campo, for a purpose. And I knew that, but here comes the best part. And I will continue to preserve you for a purpose. Amen. So we're going to talk about purpose this morning because I believe this is something that is just so very, very, very important because everything we do should have a purpose behind it. And I'll tell you this before we even get started here this morning. Certainly everything that Almighty God does has a purpose behind it. Amen? Amen. And you need to see that. You need to understand that. You need to receive that. You need to appropriate it. And we're going to do that in a couple of minutes. So turn with me uh, into Genesis 1.27. We've been there many, many times before. But I want to stress uh, one aspect of this particular scripture. Genesis 1.27. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, him. Male and female, created he them. So we see here three times God says, I have created. I have created. I have created. God spoke, and they was created. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. But the question today that I want to pose to you is simply this. If he created us, what was his purpose in doing so? Now, I can remember all the way back. I mean, is that a a fair question, do you think? Is that a, a, a simple question? Is that a question that comes to your mind? Amen. I can remember all the way back as a young boy, maybe five or six years old, um, being raised up in a Roman Catholic church, and uh, being a good little Roman Catholic boy, I went to catechism. Okay? Some of you know what that means, some of you think it means cataclysmic or something else like that. I don't know. But basically, uh, catechism in the Catholic church really is a terrible terrible substitution for the truth the word of god our bible okay but unfortunately it is treated as bible okay and so we were asked as uh, young kids five or six year old kids uh, to memorize a particular uh, part like the very first uh, phraseology in the roman catholic uh, what was called the Baltimore Catechism. And that question was simply, why did God make you? Very simple question. And for a five or six year old, it was a question that I certainly was interested in learning about. And this was the response that came to memory. And believe it or not, it's just a couple of years later now. Okay, go uh, but I still have that memorized, if you could believe. It. God made me to know him, to love him, and to serve him in this world, and to be happy with him forever in the next. Isn't that sweet? Isn't that simple? That's all we had to do was know him, love him, and serve him. And we would be assured of being happy with him forever in heaven, you see. So the emphasis was on the doing and then the reward. And so what a shame, what a pity that even today we see how so many have been duped, if you like, by believing that they will be happy with him forever in the next just by being good and by doing good works well we know as believers that good works ain't going to do the trick not by themselves amen amen we believe that we need to believe in faith and then the good works follow that and complement that faith So what is God's true purpose? Isn't that really the most important thing to know? Isn't that really the most expedient thing to know? That is, we need to know that now, not later on, not later on. So God has shown us time and time again that his purpose really is to get the world to be set free. Of course, the world has been under bondage because of the sin of our first father and our first mother. Now to affirm this, turn with me, if you would, into Exodus 19 and verse 6. Exodus 19. uh, Let's start out actually in verse 5. And God says, now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, there's two responsibilities there. If you do that, if you satisfy that condition, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak until unto the children of Israel. So God is saying here, if you obey my voice, what does it mean to obey God's verse voice? It means to heed. His voice. I love that word. We don't hear that word very much uh, often. seems to be almost old-fashioned. But the word heed is a combination of hear and deed. You See, just to hear doesn't mean anything. I mean, there are times when my beloved speaks to me, and she says, like, are you hearing me? <laughs> I wonder why she's saying, are you hearing me? It's simply because I'm not doing what she asked me to do. Duh. <laughs> so when you put the two of them together, you hear with your ear, but that's almost just a, like a mechanical exercise. Okay? The real test is putting it to the test amen, amen and putting feet on it and walking in it. You can hear the Word of God preached. You can read the Word of God night and day, 24 hours a day. But if you don't practice it, what good is it? Amen? Amen? Because this Word is a practical Word. It's a now Word. It's an action Word. That's what God's given to us. So God says, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, keep my promises, I'll keep my promises... And you shall be a peculiar treasure. Isn't that interesting? Elsewhere in the Bible, you'll see that you are to be a peculiar people. You're to be a bunch of oddballs. You're to be a bunch of uh, antisocial misfits. This is what the media is telling us today as Christians, as believers. Okay, there's something wrong with you. Your head screwed up. Your values are all um, out of line. Okay? Why? Because they see truth and they see light, and it's like, ugh. They can't stand the truth. They can't stand the light. Why? Because they're living in darkness. That's where they live. That's where they think. It's as simple as that. So God says, you are to be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. Really, I don't want you to go around boasting or being arrogant or being braggadocious to any extent. But you and I are special people. Hello. Okay, three of you agree. That's wonderful. How about the rest of you? I said, you and I are special people. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Not accidentally. It's not because, certainly not because of our parents or who they were or what they had. Come on now. It is because the Father in heaven sent his only begotten Son to this earth to set us free, and that's why we're a peculiar people because we're free. We don't carry baggage around with us. Oh, no, 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 We have been set free. We're no longer captives. We've been there, done that. Even bought the t-shirt, bless God. Okay, but we've been set free. We're different. We are transformed. And that's what makes us peculiar. That's what makes us peculiar. We don't dress the way they dress. We don't talk the way they talk. We don't drive the way they drive. We don't cut corners. We walk in truth. We walk in righteousness. Why? Because he's made us a peculiar people. And he's made us to be a kingdom of priests. What do priests do? Priests intercede. And priests bring forth the goodness of God on the earth in practical ways. Priests reach out and touch people. And when people are touched, there's a a process that takes place. It's called transformation. Amen? We're in the transformation business. God has transformed us out of darkness into his glorious light. And now he says, now go ahead and you do the same. Yes. Over and over and over again. Hallelujah. 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 Abba Father has something special in mind for each of us. Amen. For God and his people, freedom entails responsibility. But let me go back and focus in again on that last statement. I said, God has something special in mind for each of us. Now, you'll notice if you haven't already, that when people come up here to this privileged position behind this podium, they're different. Pastor Tom preaches and pre- preaches and teaches a special way. Uh, our pastors do the same. I, I'm certainly different because I've been around too long. I know too much. I'm a smarty pants, okay? But you see, if I were to call on any one of you today to come up here right now and to take over from me, you know, your, your knees would start to have fellowship with one another. You know? And you'd start to get dry in the mouth. And Kenny, you'd be looking over your shoulder at that back door. As though it we're wide open. <laughs> you see. So some are called to teach. Some are called to preach. Some are called to prophesy. Amen. Some are called to evangelize. Some are Amen. called to, prophes- uh, to uh, um, lead, to be administrators, etc., etc. One gift is no greater than the other gift because we need all of the gifts together to be working together hand in hand okay that's why pastor gives up this privileged position here to others and encourages them to come forth because he knows the gift that's in them that even some of them don't recognize okay but when the first time came to take that spot, it was like, "Whoa! <laughs> there must be a mistake here. Something's going on that I, I don't, I, I don't care for." I I can remember, and this this is probably hard to believe, but one of my least favorite subjects in college was speech. I hated absolutely hated with a passion to have to get up before people and open my mouth. And when I was called on, I would go like, and the instructor would say, just take it easy and breathe now. I said, Professor, that's what I'm trying to do, breathe. (laughs) And so the first time I was called on to be in that kind of a position, it was like monumental. It was like, are you crazy? You've got to have somebody else in mind. There's somebody else that can do this. Not me, please. Anybody, but not me, okay? No, I know none of you have gone through that process. Liar, liar, pants on fire. Okay, so if God has a defining purpose and each of us are created in his image and likeness, then each of us must have a driving purpose as well. Does that make sense? Amen? Amen. Amen. We're created in God's image and likeness. God's in the creation business. God's a God of purpose, and so the question then becomes, and it's the very next logical question, and that is, what is my purpose? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands or anything, but there are some of you here today that know beyond a doubt what your purpose is. That's wonderful. There's others of you that may have an inkling of some sort or another, and that's good as well. And there's probably some of you that don't have a clue, and that's fine too, because God's doing a work in you, isn't he? You know, and it's not an overnight work. You would like it to be an overnight work, but I can tell you from many, many years of experience, it's a process of... It's a process. God's purpose involves a process, just like in each and every one of our lives. And God is very practical, and He desires to make that answer, what is my purpose, easily identifiable by giving us different signs. Some of those signs are external, and some of them are internal. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about Moses this morning because one day Moses is out in the fields, if you like, pastoring sheep. He was a shepherd, okay? Now that was a noble occupation back then, but you know, didn't take a whole lot of education, didn't take a whole lot of training, didn't take a whole lot of smarts. If you see a sheep wandering off someplace, you go get that sheep and bring it back into the midst of the herd, etc. If you see the sheep heading towards a, a, a cliff or something like that, you send them in another direction. Okay? But suddenly, God speaks to Moses. Initially, he speaks to him through a burning bush. And when Moses has this burning bush experience, it's like, wow, this bush is burning. I I can see it right in front of me. I can see it on a flame. But it doesn't seem to be dissipating. It doesn't seem to be destroying itself. This is a very, very unusual bush. And obviously, God was using this as a supernatural means of getting Moses' attention. And so how does Moses respond? He doesn't say, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. There is something wonderful about to happen in my life. Oh, no, 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 no. Moses is about as negative as negative can be. I mean, it's almost like he's running in the opposite direction. He's doubtful. He's filled with fear. He's insecure. And at first, he's just totally, totally unbelieving. And he comes up with every excuse imaginable. I don't know how many of you today can kind of relate to Moses a little bit. Hello. Excuses. Fear. Trepidation. Lack of faith. Oh, yeah. And then finally, in Exodus 4 and verse 2, the Lord says, We have to have a little talk here, Moses. These excuses are not going to get you anywhere, no matter how much sense they make to you, because I have, Moses a purpose for you. He doesn't come right out and say that, but he does say in Exodus 4 and verse 2, The Lord said unto Moses, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. Well, don't don't you think that the Lord knew what was in Moses' hand? Come on now. But obviously he's trying to make a point here, isn't he? A rod. Well, what did the rod represent? Well, as a shepherd, Moses used that rod to direct the sheep one way or another. He used them that rod to uh, keep the sheep from uh, any dangers, uh, from being attacked, etc., etc. Okay? So that rod was a very, very important part of of his livelihood, of his career, of his occupation. That rod went with him wherever he went. Okay? Even into the presence of the Lord, he's holding this, this rod. And so God says, okay, Moses, I want you to throw that rod on the ground. Well, at this stage of the game, Moses is just shaking in his shoes, sandals, whatever. He'll do whatever God says, so he throws, he throws the rod on the ground. And the rod actually becomes a snake. And, Mo, and Moses freaks. I mean, I mean he, he's like, wow, get me out of here. I want my rod back. What's this? And God says to him, pick up the snake by the tail. And this is like the first step in faith for Moses. Okay? So he does what God says. He goes over and he picks up the snake by the tail. I can just imagine. He's just like maybe using two, two fingers like this, you know, instead of grabbing onto the thing. And suddenly, something supernatural happens. The rod becomes a snake. Moses picks it up and it goes back to being a rod. And then God, in his wisdom and knowledge, goes on and tests him several other ways. Put your hand in your garment, etc., etc., etc. What's he doing this for? He's trying to show Moses that he will use his natural talents and and abilities, with a supernatural component—something that only God can give him. Okay. So when he says, when he says to um, Moses, uh, "What's that in thy hand?" and Moses responds and says, "Well, that's that's my rod," he firstly gets his attention. And then he shows him supernaturally how he is to operate in this realm that is above the natural realm, the supernatural realm. And there are people there that are witnessing everything that's going on between God and Moses. So when God combines the natural with the anointing, There are no limitations. There are no limitations. And all of a sudden, you see, from this point forward, there's a tremendous transformation in the life and in the ministry of Moses. He goes from a wimp to a superman. He goes from a kind of a lowly, nondescript shepherd to the leader of a nation of millions of people but it all started out because of that rock now i mentioned that there were two ways to identify what your purpose is in god and the second one is uh, is of the uh, internal nature and that's when god puts a fire Or a passion within you, a fire that will not go out, a motivation that that's that's all you think of almost all day long. And as a result, there are ways Holy Ghost can use you then as a willing vessel. You see, he gives us opportunities to be his instruments or catalysts just by being who we are. If God, if God sends someone up to me uh, uh, this afternoon and said, um, uh, Brother Ted, I've got uh, two tickets uh, for you and Wendy to go to uh, Israel, my response would be, simple For very simple question, can you give me 30 minutes to pack? <laughs> Why? Because that's where our heart is. That's where we want to be. Okay? Now, whether we will physically be there or not, I don't know. I don't know how the thing's going to work out in the end. But I do know this, that he has called us for a purpose. But even way, way, way back, before he called us for this purpose, I'm going to share with you some... Personal examples as to how God dealt with me in my life all the way back to when I was a young boy once again at age seven I went into business for myself maybe I was eight I was an entrepreneur wanted to make money at age eight so I found these um, carriage wheels in a junk heap someplace, probably somebody's garbage pail, and I brought them home to my dad. And I got a two by four, and I said, "Dad, can we put these together so I could have like a cart, you know?" And he said, uh, "Yeah. Well, what do you what do you want it for? you gonna go riding down hills?" I said, "No, no, no, Dad. I'm." I've got I've got something in mind. I've got an opportunity that I see where I can take this cart on Saturday mornings and go to the local A and P, Patrick. Joe and Maria, do you know what an A and P is? That's okay. Wendy, you know what an A and P is? Okay, an AMP back then was like our publics today. <laughs> okay. But it seemed like they had a corner on the deal. And there was only one in our community. And so I took my cart to the A and P early on Saturday mornings at nine o'clock. And I'd go into I'd leave the cart outside, I'd go into the store, and I'd kind of introduce myself to different women who were pushing their carts up and down the aisle. And I'd say, ma'am, can I take your order home for you? And guess what? Most of them said no. <laughs> but every third or fourth one said yes. I said, great, I'll meet you at the cash register. So I meet, the, meet them out at the cash register, take their groceries, put them in my, the box on my car, take them home, and Jenny came away with 25 cents. If I had a very successful morning, I'd come home with a dollar. So I made a whole dollar on Saturdays, okay? Well, two years later I was nine years old, and I found out they were looking for newspaper carrier salesmen, newspaper boys. But you had to be eleven years old to get the job. I lied. <laughs> I was only nine, but of course I was big for my age and I got the job, okay? At 12, I became a caddy out on golf course and started carrying golf bags on my back. Started out at three fifty, and then went to $4.00 and then I graduated to two bags for $8.00 and eventually $10.00. Steve, you can relate to that, huh? What did they get today? Really. I was before my time. Missed it again. Bless the Lord. But you know, I saw something out there on the golf course that kind of caught my entrepreneurial spirit. And that was these very, very wealthy guys that could not only play on Saturday and Sunday, but many of them played on Wednesday afternoons as well. And I said to myself, hmm, That's the kind of job I want. And I saw the way they were playing golf and the value of their golf clubs and the fact that they were members of the club and they ate well and they looked well, etc. And so in the back of my mind I said, hmm, I think I'd like to be wealthy. We're not so wealthy now. I came from kind of a blue-collar background, good family upbringing, etc. But such was the case. So each opportunity provided me a learning experience at a young age, which later on helped form my career and then later my ministry. See, even as a um, a newspaper boy, we were not called newspaper boys. We were called carrier salesmen. Why? Because they wanted us to go out and knock on doors and say, Hey, would you like to subscribe to my newspaper? I'll deliver it to your house every single day. And guess what most of the people said? No. no, but maybe one out of every five or 10. And so I won everything from turkeys, to trips to the circus, to camp, et cetera, et cetera. I was a go-getter. I like money. <laughs> then after college, I went down to Wall Street and I learned the insurance business at age 21, and went into business uh, for my, myself at age uh, 25 with two babies at home, and I excelled. And I did it all on my own. Hello. <laughs> and I'm not bragging about that because I was arrogant, I was prideful, I was stupid back then because I didn't know the Lord. I knew about him, but I didn't know him personally. I went ahead and I studied real hard. I got my professional designations, which uh, normally would take for each designation somewhere between eight to ten years, and I did it in three years. On my own. Ted, you're so wonderful. Mm -hmm. But when I was in business for myself, I realized that I actually woke up unemployed every day. Because I had to go out and get the next client. I had to go out and make the next deal. It wasn't like I punched a clock. It wasn't like there was a check waiting for me at the end of the week or every other two weeks. Uh, Kenny, you know what that's like. Yeah. Okay. So then, as I became more and more successful, I I took advantage of opportunities to train other men to succeed in the insurance investment and real estate business and um, one year I was awarded the um, top sales manager uh, for the New York City metropolitan area uh, for doing that, that work, sales management. These were all abilities that God put in my hand. But then, praise God, I got born again. Amen. And I started to train husbands. <laughs> and fathers. And businessmen. And it started out slowly as Holy Ghost led. And eventually it led to ministry and 11 different nations and over 2,000 married couples I want to tell you a story about one of those couples we met them in a tiny little town west of London in England town called Lugashall, where we had Holy Ghost Revival in uh, I guess it was 1993 this couple was about as nondescript as I can describe it and I'm, what I'm saying is they were just ordinary, ordinary people Actually, he was of a Scottish background, she was a true Brit, Um, but they loved the Holy Ghost and um, they spent most of their time on the floor during my meetings. They weren't sleeping, believe me. They were just getting filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. And anyhow... Shortly after we did revival there, they followed us to um, Brussels, Belgium, because they were so hungry and so thirsty. And then one day he said to me, "Uh, my wife and I are taking a missionary trip to Uganda in Africa from England. And, And to make a long, long story short, uh, today, that ministry has grown to over 2,000 home churches. I'll take that 2,000 and multiply it by 10, maybe 20. I don't know, people. But that's how many souls have been won for Yeshua. Amen. Yes, give him the glory. Yeah. So, you see, all I did was... To use what God put in my hand. Yeah. It was in the natural realm. But then something special happened. God touched me. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. So why why doesn't God do it himself? He's so much easier. Well, because Almighty God chooses to partner with us, his kids, on kingdom business. He chooses to partner with us, his priests and holy nation. And he absolutely loves this partnership. We must accept this sacred offer and become a partner with God. There's no limit to what he wants to do with you. No limit whatsoever. Remember the vision I shared with you several weeks ago about the sign on heaven's gates? Big sign that I saw while I was... during praise and worship it said hiring hiring, big, big, big letters yes, we're all in business together the Father's business because he's given us a purpose in his kingdom and you, dear saint are the only one who can fulfill your destiny in him and through him Do you understand that? You see, my purpose is different than Patrick's purpose. Patrick's purpose is different than Benjamin's purpose. Benjamin's purpose is different than Joey's purpose. I don't want Steve's purpose. I don't want James's purpose. I want my purpose. I want to fulfill my purpose. Why? Because God has uniquely created me and anointed me to do that to which he has called me to do. Amen. Do you understand that? Yes. And so he has done the very, very same thing with you. Hallelujah. He has anoint- appointed you. He has anointed you. For this very day and for this very hour to fulfill his purposes for you purposes that can only be fulfilled by you Amen. and by you alone do you yes. understand that Woo! do you understand that now some of you are sitting there and saying brother Ted that sounds wonderful but you must be talking about somebody else no I'm talking about you Amen. Come, on. come on now It's time to stop the excuses. There's nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. I'll tell you something. When you're operating in the kingdom, it's like having a bulletproof vest around you. It's like having an umbrella over your head. Okay? In addition to which, the blessings just keep pouring upon you. You can't outrun the blessings. I'll tell you. It's as simple as that it really is so we can decide right now to either chase after your purpose or allow the enemy to rob steal and destroy which is it going to be I can't make that decision for you you must make that decision you must say God show me your purpose in the meantime examine what it is that you have in your hand I don't care if you're a carpenter if you're a mechanic if you're an electrician, if you're a nurse, if you're a teacher, if you're a mother, it doesn't matter. God has a specifically divine and defined purpose for your life. You've got to chase after that purpose. Amen. When you chase after that purpose, you won't be a, you, you You'll get up in the morning jumping and screaming and yelling and hollering and praising God and excited, excited about the things of God. Every new person you meet is a prospective candidate, a brother, a sister. You have what they need. And your purpose is to get them set free so they can get others set free. You see... You see, this is the way it works in the kingdom. It's called the multiplier effect. Yeshua went out and recruited yes. 12. He said, you come with me. You and your brother come with me. You come with me. You come with me. You come with me. Yeah, but, but, but come with me. Amen. There was no questions. They came and they followed him. And for three years, he trained them. He poured himself into them. He gave them all of the how-to's and the how-not-to-do's, okay? But they saw the supernatural at work, didn't they? And he said, now these things and even greater things shall you do, because I'm getting out of town. Do you understand that? He's out of town, but he's left someone in you that is greater than he that is out in the world. Hallelujah! 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 Go chase that purpose! God is excited for you. And He'll give you every good gift and anointing to succeed. You're a winner because you have a purpose. And it's God's purpose. Are you excited? Good. Hallelujah! Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now I'm gonna stop preaching. Hallelujah. (laughs) Bless the Lord, bless the Lord. Please, I pray this day that you would um, ruminate, that is allow this word to go over and over again in your spirits. And then do what I, I say, appropriate it. Make it your now word. See yourself fulfilling God's purpose for your life. I'll tell you, when you are working in the middle of God's perfect will, you are fulfilling His purpose for your life. And when you are fulfilling God's purpose, God will fulfill you in every way imaginable. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's hear it for Yeshua. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Lord bless thee and keep thee today and the Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee shalom. Go.